You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 259 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and I'm not full of man flu this week and I'm actually back in the studio. So, hello everyone. Sorry I missed you all last week. <laughs> yes, hello Carlos. Hi Carlos. <laughs> I can actually hold a conversation now without coughing my guts up every five seconds. Yeah. Although, I, nice. we have been having occasional flashbacks, it has to be said, because every now yeah. and again there has been a, There's a, little bit of a, a horrendous a bit of a, yeah. lung full yeah. of unpleasantness. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 98% back to full... Um, capacity. Uh, right. Say. Okay. Well, there we are. That's that. That is award-winning. But I tell you what, guys. I listened to the show last week whilst I was um, not driving a forklift around at work, and uh, <laughs> right. and I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. It's very entertaining. So you've done well, guys. Oh, thank so, you very uh, much. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, I should just explain to listeners that, in the, that, ladies and gentlemen, in the background, the chewing noises that you can hear are because <laughs> we have the legend that is Captain Al on the show. Uh, unfortunately, his dinner's just arrived, and he is very hungry, as you can probably tell. Good so. evening, everyone. It's uh, <laughs> it's pasta and French fries with some lemon meringue pie and ice cream. When I get round to it, I'll join the show. Splendid. Okay. okay. Thank yes. You. All right. Yes. Updates will be forthcoming throughout the show. So What's obviously, <laughs> joining me as you heard in the studio with this week, pushing all the buttons as usual, is Matt Smith. Matt, how are you? Are you? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah busy, busy. Yeah, I'm glad you weren't here last week because if I'd have got your cold, I think I'd have probably been very mean to you. Yeah, uh, yeah it was not nice. And if you'd have given it to Mother, I'd have been even more mean. Do to you know what? Gemma so. hasn't got it, and I'm really what? disappointed. Yeah. What do you mean disappointed? That oh, do you know that that's a that's a that's love right there, isn't it? Like, but she did look after me. To be fair, did good. Really yeah, well. absolutely. What yeah. is it? Do you think about the lifestyle that Gemma leads, as in like healthy, going out for a run, going to the gym, <laughs> versus your lifestyle? <laughs> that has anything to do with the fact that you came down with man flu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose add that to the fact that she works within the health industry, I suppose. As, uh, right, okay. Yeah. Although that would usually make her sicker, to be fair. If she's yeah, I, I actually anyway. think that she brought brought the disease home oh, from right. her okay. place of work, <laughs> okay. if I have, had to guess, personally. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, joining us in... Well, the... should that be the case, that is not a challenge to you to bring a disease home, okay, to right. share with her. Let's just draw that a line and... Family show, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us as well on the show this week, as always, is uh, someone who puts the the A in AV. It is, of course, Neville Bounds. Yes, hello everybody, and uh, yes, a bit of man down situation here today because I've uh, someone somehow damaged my knee. Uh, all that oh. walking I've been doing over the last couple of days around uh, airports and all sorts of business, so I've been uh, confined to the edit suite, uh, ah. and the results of which you may see a bit later on. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, Part oh, one oh, of okay. which we shall we shall indeed be enjoying later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, yeah, joining but, us. Uh, Oh, that's okay. Carry on there. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I finished. It's oh, okay. And joining us this week also, <laughs> he's uh, he's joined us in the studio this week just for a change because uh, he, he la- loves to come it's here. The last time. It's his last we'll time in the, the PTUK studios. studios. Yes. Uh, it is obviously our other awesome co-host of the show, Armando. Hi, uh, Carlos. I'm glad you're feeling better. <laughs> Al, thank you for the introduction to airline pilot life with the uh, eating in the hotel room in uniform, <laughs> just trying to. <laughs> Not well, get spaghetti on your I mean, shirt. You know, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> you fit these things in around. I mean, it's a clash between. I mean, I was all set for going to get a kebab. 
But <laughs> That's a terrible I, idea. Looked at my, <laughs> I, I looked at my watch and I thought, no, no, the kebab's going to have to go. I had one last night and the night before, so, you know, right. it's not okay. a great sacrifice. No, okay. uh, £2.50 <laughs> here, by the way, in Romania, a kebab. Right. Oh, that's for everything. Yeah. Well, um, so I thought, right, well, what can I do? Well, I'm not going to have time to go out for dinner because that's a bit long and drawn out because it's kind of like an Italian influence here. So if you go out for dinner, five hours later, they bring you starters. <laughs> so I thought, well, it has to be room service, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah, so uh, it's uh, pasta and French fries. It's, it's how it goes. And, yeah, airline life, well, you get it when you get it, don't you? You know, when you grab it when you can. Fantastic. Well, and obviously we all know that joining us this week is... The guest host, Captain Al. I mean, he doesn't need any introduction at all. Is he, is he with us? Is he? Oh, all right. Okay. Al, Al is obviously pilot extraordinaire and uh, food connoisseur. <laughs> yeah, that, so how, how, how are carbs? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely carb loading yeah. tonight, yeah. Absolutely. So <laughs> how, how are we rating this on TripAdvisor then, uh, Al, this uh, particular <laughs> stay? The, uh, the spaghetti arribata with the added French fries is actually very nice. I must say, though, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the lemon meringue pie Look with ice cream. Look at the size of that! <laughs> That's the size of a house! Right, okay. Oh. <laughs> what can I say? A, a bargain for £1.50, I feel, for the Good so. right. I do believe we've found our next destination for a, for a little weekend break, Matt. Right, yeah, absolutely. Think, yeah, I you think know. you might be right there, yeah. Well within absolutely. budget. Now, there's, uh, we're going to say a big welcome to everyone uh, on this 9th of March evening. It's Friday. It's coming up to 10 past 7 in the evening. And we've got loads of family in the chat room, as always. Uh, Dr. Steph's joined us tonight as well. She's uh, listening to us whilst driving uh, her Jeep, I think. So uh, uh, drive safely, Steph. Uh, Auntie Liz is also in the chat room. She's picked up on the fact that I'm hatless. Yes, I um, know. Which is always a change. Yeah, which uh, is why well, the lighting <laughs> is wrong over him, because obviously the lighting is always set up for the fact he's normally got a silly baseball cap on. So <laughs> I am sorry. Anyway. Uh, Richard Keane. Well, if, if, if Steph is listening in the Jeep, she'll be with us for the duration of the show, because it will break down on the way. <laughs> so, uh... <sighs> right, <okay. dear. laughs> so hello to everyone who's joined us in... In the YouTube chat room, we've also got Cheryl Mandrake. Hello to you, Cheryl. Oh, nice to see you back in the chat room. Yeah. Haven't seen you for a while in the chat room, so welcome to you. Uh, Chris Griggs is also in there, and uh, I'll say Richard King and uh, Neville Bounds and Armando are keeping eye on the proceedings with their various blue spanners oh, in the chat room. Yes. So well done. So we've got loads of stuff to get through on this week's show. We've got uh, all the usual news, but we've also got a fantastic recording. Uh, interview that was done uh, early this week uh, with Pip at London Heathrow, uh, which was uh, videoed by uh, the man himself, Neville Bounds. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got that coming up later in the show. We've also got some feedback, some video feedback from Neil Lamborn uh, on his recent flight to somewhere where I've enjoyed a bit of plane spotting over in uh, Lanzarote. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got that coming up later. Uh, but first, we're going to hand things over to um, Nev because we've got some housework to do before we start the show this week. And it's obviously uh, going to be a big thanks to our Patreon donators. Yes, it's the, the dirty music, so it can only, only mean one thing, can't it? And that's the, uh, the Patreon fund. And thank you very much to everybody that's contributed uh, over the last uh, four weeks. And they are Reuben Wells, Nick Anderson, Captain Jeff, Stephanie Plummer, Stuart Blacker, uh, sorry, Stuart Black, thank you, pardon, uh, Liz Piper, uh, Owen, uh, Neil Lamwarm, Nico Rega, uh, Jonathan Warner, Evan Shu, Adam Spink, Matt Donemeyer, Jeff Ward, Philip Labe, 
Andrew Wilson, Masha Gert, Graham Haley, Matt Caton, Eric Graves, Jordan Rose, Steve Andress, Myla, Ryan Harper, Stuart Backer, Ray Williams, and Jenny Parkinson. Thank you to one and all. We could not do the show without you. Very true. And how can they uh, donate, Nev, if they want to donate via Patreon? Well, the best thing to do is to go to our website, uh, which is www.plaintalkinguk.com, and there's a link to the Patreon system on there. So big thanks to everyone who's helped us with the show this month. A big thank you. It's uh, Obviously, it helps uh, to uh, keep Matt in check with some extra bits of kit every now and again. So... I think you enjoy. It's not my that. fault. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You enjoy though. You do. You do love having the, the tech in front I do, of you, though, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, it you keeps know, me yeah, amused. Keeps the more buttons amused. I've got, you know, the less talking the less I talking have to do. That's exactly. the way I see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to kick off the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So, if you're ready, Matt. Uh, almost. And if you're ready, Nev. Surprisingly, yes. And if you're ready, Armando. Ready to go. Uh, Captain Al. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story on the simpleflying.com website. And the headline is one that hit the uh, the news charts this week. American Airlines grounding 14 of their aircraft due to overhead bins not closing properly. So over the past uh, week, American Airlines unfortunately has had to ground a total of 14 aircraft due to issues with overhead bins not closing. The airline was forced to cancel 40 flights because of safety concerns with the aircraft. Complaints came early this week from pilots of two Boeing 737-800 aircraft. Both planes had undergone routine maintenance check in Tulsa, where uh, when uh, oh well Tulsa okay when the uh, issue was discovered, the aircraft were recently That'll be Oklahoma, but Oklahoma. Just for the avoidance of doubt, um, what what aircraft type was it again? I missed it. Oh, are we gonna <laughs> we gonna judge the photo? We'll get to the photo in a second. The, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> which which aircraft manufacturer is having problems? Sorry, I, I've missed it. Anyway, American contracted ATS to upgrade the interior design. ATS, aren't they a tyre company here in the UK? Uh, but they, yeah, are, yes. they are, yes. Yeah, the uh, upgrade the interior designs of 14 of the Boeing 737-800 aircraft. ATS is an external contractor who has worked with American... Sorry, was that a Boeing? Term. I missed that. Was that a Boeing that's got problems? <laughs> Fader down. The no renovation, chance. absolutely no <laughs> chance. The renovation, uh, renovations included newly installed overhead bins, new seats with power outlets, and the overhead bins are larger than the original to support more luggage space. Uh, the aircraft will return to American Airlines. Well, they're Airlines larger because the doors don't close. With expectations to put them immediately back into service. The discovery of the first two aircraft having an overhead bin trouble signaled that American Airlines could ground the remaining 12 jets that also were serviced by the contractor. The 14 aircraft will now go through a complete inspection uh, of the new renovations to ensure there are no other issues arising. A rep from American Airlines spoke with the Fortune stating that an out of an abundance of caution we have proactively removed from service the additional 12 aircraft that were updated by this vendor and have notified the FAA 
And ATS is a licensed uh, company by the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, so it's responsible for complying with all industry regulations. Safety is a major concern for American Airlines, they said, so the, uh, so the action to ground the aircraft is done in the best interest of the passengers. So, I mean, these guys obviously had the, these new bins in, large overhead bins, um, so, uh, I mean, I'm guessing they just forgot to put a few extra screws in. <laughs> you think? I mean, it's not very often you you go on an aircraft and you have the overhead bins pop open in flight. I mean, I've, I've seen it once, I think, in my, all my years of flying. But um, I've seen it open in turbulence yeah. before. But, um, um, but I mean, these overhead bins, these larger ones, they're fitting a lot of these retrofitting a lot of these onto to to the to the Boeing, the eight uh, hundreds and nine hundreds. And I I always thought that the air, airlines are trying to to sort of scale down the amount of luggage that passengers take on board but they're providing a, a larger overhead bin so I, I I think this is um, treating the symptoms rather than the cause because as I'm sure Amanda will attest to uh, and I'm not being rude to Americans here because regular listeners from viewers will know that I love America but they don't travel light they have no concept of traveling light your average British holiday maker will go on a flight you'll have an Aldi carrier bag it fits in the overhead bin without <laughs> any problems at all okay you don't need two roller boards if you're just going to Vegas for the weekend because you're just gonna sell what you've got in your roller boards anyway to fund your debt right? Right. so just yeah. okay. travel smaller because we, can, can't keep, we can't just keep fitting all, all this crap into the aeroplane so this is I mean I, I genuinely think that um, this idea of trying to make the hat bins bigger and bigger, it, it, it's, a, it's a fool's errand because the bigger you make the bins, the more bags people will bring, the bigger the bags. People are going to try and get 25 kilo delsies in these blooming things. <laughs> so who, who wants to sit under half a ton of luggage? Because that's where we are. We're underneath yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so, a good point. Yeah. I suppose I'm so just uh, happy that it, it just, was just the overhead yeah, let's bins. Just, yeah, let's just US tape. Oh, oh that's so oh, sad. Dear. You cut <laughs> out right as Sorry, I was. I was hanging on your every word, Al. Yeah. I just oh, didn't okay. catch that last bit. So, yeah, you know, as they say, everything's bigger in the United States. So, um, yeah, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> I am just glad that it was the overhead bins that are having the issues and nothing more serious. Well, yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah, yeah, because the new seats with the new power and stuff as well. A lot of uh, a lot of the the smaller narrow aisle single aisle aircraft are having all this seat back power installed, which yeah, I would have thought would be even more of a technical challenge. But uh, they seem to. Well, you may right. say that, Amanda, but wait until you know Chuck or you know. Hank's 25-kilo Delsey rollerboard smacks you on the bonds when you're up for a little bit of turbulence. Or, you know, just for the matter, I mean, quite clearly, American Airlines got a serious problem here because if you've just managed to, you know, taxi over a taxiway centerline light, and dum and, you know, that the, yeah. they've opened. So, you know, you can only get so much in these things. I mean, I mean, we're not having to fit them with, you know... 25-gauge Yale locks, you know, with, you know, <laughs> a fairly simple latching mechanism on these things. So I, I think, you know, we're just overloading them, basically. Yeah. So no, before we move on, yeah. just a quick uh, um, notice of the photo, if anyone would like to pick up. Oh, on. right. Oh, we're okay. talking about the 737-800 and Shall that I, photo. Hang on, let me, let me, let me open the picture looks up. Hang on. Here very go, much here. like an A321. It? Here we go. Here's Al, the picture. Al could probably, here um, we go. So, what we talk, right what, so what's the aircraft we're talking about? The seven three seven eight hundred. Okay, and uh, this is a photograph of. I, I strongly believe that's a three twenty one. 
is it um, certainly is yeah, yeah. <laughs> right okay good nice yeah. to know that but then to be fair that you know uh, this does this just the media fails thing is just relentless another one it? for the bin yeah. uh, nev <laughs> well uh, i i just can't keep up with it uh, especially over the last couple of weeks it's been absolutely mad in the media world with regard to uh, fails and uh, general misreporting but that's actually quite standard now isn't it it's it seems to be i think what it? we need to do on this show is we need to have some sort of jingle that we play for every sort of media fail don't we you know yeah okay all right yeah we'll we'll see what we can do we need to find some kind of um yeah sort of like bell ringing or something don't we we need to do something <laughs> from a game show or something. yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> so moving on like to yeah. the next story matt and uh, this one for you is uh, well I'll just hope you've got your autocorrect turned off. Of course. Uh, on my okay. laptop, certainly. Not on my phone, I have to confess. This is on the Irish Post. And the headline is Ryanair passengers' hilarious standoff with airline over autocorrect error goes viral. A Ryanair passengers' extraordinary standoff with a budget airline over a hilarious autocorrect error has gone viral. Uh, it all started when Wicklow resident Luke Bradley decided to book a flight to go and watch his beloved Manchester United in action against crosstown rivals Manchester City. Using the Ryanair app, Luke booked his flight over to Manchester for the big match. However, after reviewing his purchase, Luke noticed his name had been autocorrected from Luke to Luke Warm. Uh, <laughs> keen to correct the amusing autocorrect error, he decided to get in touch with Ryanair in the hope that the name attached to the booking could be changed with little fuss. Unfortunately, he discovered, uh, to his understandable horror, that Ryanair were insisting he pay €115 Euros to have his name changed to Luke. Now, I'm going to query this only because, I, I, I don't know whether it's an oldish story, but didn't we run a story last week where they'd given you 24 hours now? to make alterations before they actually sort mm. of refuse to do it. But, I think we uh, did, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so it says, anyway, mate has been arguing with Ryanair all The trouble is, oh. is that the 24 hours on the 24 hours does now run out. It was a special offer. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> right, I see. I, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, he's, he's gone and dusted now. So anyway, mate has been arguing with Ryanair all day because autocorrect changed his name from Luke to Lukewarm on their app, and they want €115 Euros to do a name change on the flight. Uh, a standoff ensued with Luke steadfastly refusing to pay up in the hope that common sense would prevail. <laughs> No chance. Uh, it wasn't uh, long before one of his friends, Connor, got wind of the story and decided to highlight his mate's plight on social media. Taking to Twitter, Connor wrote uh, what I wrote, just uh, read out just a moment ago. The tweet soon went viral with one follower highlighting the fact that it would actually be cheaper for Luke to change his name to Lukewarm using <laughs> deed poll. £33 to be precise. Luke has now returned to Twitter to highlight the issue further and ask for support to help and help from others on social media platforms. Uh, it is the first time he posted. Uh, it's the first time he posted on Twitter in nearly two months, and Luke is hoping that the tweet will convince Ryanair to change the name with little fuss. Manchester United aren't due to face Manchester City until the 24th of April, meaning there is plenty of time for Luke's unfortunate autocorrect issue to gain traction online. Uh, he's even come up with his own hashtag for the campaign: hashtag Justice for Luke Warm. <laughs> Quite like that. <laughs> in the hope someone uh, within the airline will see sense. Uh, anyway, you get the gist of, gist of the story it's um i, d I don't know is it really I, that cheap to change a name by depot well, well apparently so yes <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, which is why i've tried to change yours but uh, i right. have yeah. some sympathy for right <laughs> i have some sympathy for ryanair here right because if i've understood the story correct uh mr warm has yes, um <laughs> has, has used his, his his app 
to uh, make this booking. Yeah. So it's actually uh, Luke's phone or device that has done the auto-correcting, if mm -hmm. I understand correctly, yep. rather than the Ryanair website stroke app, because yep. the auto-correct is a function of the phone's operating yes, system yeah. rather than the app. So whilst I can understand he's a little frustrated, you know, it's of his doing, it's his mistake. I do feel that Ryanair should be, you know, allow the 24 hours to make changes. That's what most airlines do. Yeah. But I think it's also fair to say that it's not their fault. No, it, it's not c completely. And of course, they, as I say, as I say, I'm sure it was last week we were reading a story where they said 24 hours. Uh, there is, of course, a strong possibility. Maybe it took him more than 24 hours to realise that he'd made an error on his booking. That's that, of course, is the other uh, consideration in this. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, you know, rules are rules. I, I <laughs> Auntie Liz says, Mister Warm. Uh, Mr. Warm, yeah, Mr. Mr. Luke Warm, in Mr. fact, Warm. yes, indeed. Anyway, Nev, I think you've got the next story. Yes, I have, and it's on flightglobal.com. It's the best website because it's got a nice font. Right. <laughs> nice and easy to read, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to heck with the story. As long as the font's good, then that's that works for me. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's all about the, uh, the British Airways 747-400. Uh, which has just been painted in the Landor livery oh, from, wow. of the 1980s and 90s, uh, which came out of the paint shop in uh, Dublin this morning and flew to Heathrow. Uh, the aircraft uh, registration Golf Bravo November Lima Yankee was ferried to Heathrow this morning ahead of its service entry later today to Miami, uh, operating the BA211. Uh, the scheme, which is named after the creative agency Landor Associates that designed it, uh, features the British Airways coat of arms with the motto to fly to serve on the fin with a stylized section of the Union flag. The livery also includes the airline's centenary logo, which is shown on all centenary heritage designs. Uh, the Landor 747 joins two other BA retro jets that the airline has introduced as part of its centenary celebrations, a BOAC 747-400 and a BEA Airbus A319. One additional retro jet is widely expected to be announced, which will feature the red, white and blue Negus colours from BA's launch back in 1973-74. Uh, the Landor livery is one of our most famous designs and many will remember seeing it in the skies at some point in their lives, says BA's chairman and chief executive Alex Cruz. Introducing these livered aircraft has been a huge honour and we're excited to reveal uh, details of the final design soon. Well, this aircraft uh, has been flying for just over 26 years. It was first delivered to BA in February 1993. And uh, it's, uh, but more importantly, uh, the aircraft's name is the City of Swansea. And there's somebody on this programme who was born in Swansea. Who could that be? Well, that, that, that would be uh, me. I, uh, <laughs> I actually grew up in Swansea. Um, so I, I'm very pleased to see that the city of Swansea is being honoured. Um, some people in the various chat rooms might know that I've got some dubious uh, thoughts with regards to the whole BA100. Yes, I have to confess, I actually saw this tweet uh, earlier this morning <laughs> when I got up. I wondered if it was going to get mentioned. <laughs> well... It'll come as no great surprise. I mean, British Airways was formed in 1974, and under no circumstances does 2019 represent 100 years. <laughs> so, 
So if they're, um, if they're, you know, a bit premature by a matter of years, quite a number, I'm just wondering what they're going to do in the year 2074. I mean, Are they going to claim to be 100 years old again? You know, the second coming of BA. <laughs> or the third, even. Yeah. I mean, I, I suspect none of us will be around to have to worry about covering it, certainly. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> be a young you team. speak for yourself. I yeah, yeah. to be here forever. <laughs> right. Okay. Annoying people yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. God help us all. Uh, right. I have to say, I've got to say uh, in all seriousness, this is my favourite one so far. And that's that's oh, my, my okay. thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I think it is the classic, and I think for, uh, certainly for me, it represents. You know, when I was uh, growing up, I went to see yeah. the uh, these aircraft uh, standing on the top of the Queen's Building when you could uh, over at Heathrow, and going to the uh, the aircraft shop, buying the models and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great time, uh, and the land order, the, the simplicity of it is fantastic, but it just looks so classy. I, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Auntie Liz has said that her favourite was the BOAC one. Yeah, I actually, I must admit, I really like that one. I think because it's one of the few uh, liveries I actually remember as well. So it, it's sort of one of those, I suppose. Mm. It's, it's and of course, I think there is still one at um, Duxford, isn't there? That's got the, yeah, the, there is. That's got the VOCA. So, so where is this one hundred? I can't wait to see the ethnic ones, the ethnic tail designs come back. That's what I'm really waiting for. Because oh, the, there were some yeah. absolutely hideous ones of those. So there I mean, was. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so where, so where is this? Uh, you know, seriously though, where, the, the point that you raised a moment ago, Al, where, where, where is this hundred actually coming from? So, is it one of the airlines that they bought is actually a hundred? It's, 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 it's purely a, a function of BA's marketing department because um, even the most tenuous of links doesn't make them a hundred years old. So, um, uh, I, I've asked British Airways numerous times to how they come by there their 100th and um, they're, they're very slow in coming forward let's put it that way I've got nothing against BA um, I travel with them quite a lot and I, I rate them as a as an airline it's probably fair to say they're not as good as they used to be um, but I, I just am completely and utterly puzzled as how they've imagined up this 100 uh, any 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 thoughts on that uh, Nev I mean <laughs> any idea how they've if come anyone's to this gonna know it'll be Nev yeah I, I, th I think there's Possibly been a bit of creativity uh, in the marketing department, <gasps> as Al uh, kind of hint that. Uh, but of course, the, the, often uh, you know, air, air, um, airlines today are a conglomeration of other airlines. So obviously there was BOAC and BEA, um, but I'm not sure that either of those were flying right. At Neither the of those of so, were flying a hundred years ago. No. So, I mean, what I, they've done, I they've obviously they've... sat down and they've worked out, right, we want to have a 100th celebration. We haven't been going for 100 years. Never mind. We need to find a bloke in a pub who says he knows someone that said that <laughs> BA started 100 years ago. Right. We found the bloke in the pub. He's the same guy who says there's a World War II bomber on the moon. Terrific. Let's roll with this. BA 100. Hashtag. Let's go. <laughs> okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. uh, greetings, and by the way. there goes my upgrade in July. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Gre right. Nobody watches this. You'll be fine. It's <laughs> Gre greetings, by the way, to Matt's aviation channel. Uh, he's uh, in Switzerland, apparently. He says, greetings from Switzerland oh, in hello. the chat room. So, greetings to you. Hello. <laughs> so moving, Hello, Matt. Yeah. moving on. Seriousness, just before we move on, I mean, yeah. we have some we have some real experts in the chat room. I, I've run out of devices and space on the desk, so I'm not in the chat room. But does anybody actually has anybody rather come up with a definitive uh, chronological or categorical statement as to how BA have come up with this hundred? 
um, because I've had a, a quick Google search and I'm not seeing it at all. Okay, I mean, all right. BAE, I tell you what, no, let, no. Let, let's let's throw it to our chat room. So while while we carry on competition time, we'll come back to it shortly. So if we move on, and then hopefully, if the chat room is able to shed some light on it, then we'll uh, be able to answer it later on. Uh, I think uh, Armando. Armando, it is uh, your go next, isn't it? Yeah. So this is a little bit of a solemn but heartwarming story uh, from the Pilot Wife Life, which is an online blog as opposed to a news website. Um, so as we've talked about already a couple times uh, on February 23rd, 2019, tragedy shocked the aviation world when Atlas Flight 3591 went down in Trinity Bay, just outside of Anahuac, Texas, uh, about 12.45 p.m. Central Standard Time. The flight was a cargo transport from Miami to Houston for Prime Air using a twin-engine Boeing 767 and had three people on board. Captain Ricky Blakely, First Officer Conrad Aska, and uh, Jump Seater Mesa Airlines Captain Sean Archuleta. Uh, when tragedy strikes the aviation world, it does affect all of us. We are a tight-knit family, and we are all only a few degrees from the incident. Even if we don't know those involved, we, do we know those who did or know somebody involved. We all pray, hope, and believe that these types of events will never rock our world. But when they do, we stand together as one family, regardless of type rating, airline affiliation, or even country of origin. Even though the media did not feel like it was a big story and it quickly fizzled out because the jet was cargo, and there was apparently not enough people aboard to warrant wide coverage, to us it is our family. It affects us all to the core and leaves us with an empty hole in our hearts and in our extended family. Captain Sean Archuleta was, by all accounts, a stand-up guy who was easy to be around and who cared immensely for others. I was friends with and flew with Sean, cites uh, Captain Cole Goldenberg. He would have been the first person there for everyone else when a tragedy like this uh, strikes. He is a very special guy. Just before the tragic incident that took his life, Captain Archuleta had been hired by United Airlines and had already been assigned his class date. He was on his way to the major airlines. This was a celebratory event that we all look forward to as we move through the life through our life in aviation and it was not different for the Archuleta family however fate took away their moment and left a PW sister behind with her young children to figure out how to face another day without her captain so in a gesture of kindness respect and the utmost class United Airlines is doing something incredible during Sean's in-doc class on March 12th they will leave a seat vacant in memory of the great loss that rocked the aviation world and the hole that is left in all of our hearts. What an incredibly honor, honorable and classy gesture. Furthermore, they presented his widow with United Airlines wings and epaulets. Um, so, yeah, this is a very classy move, as this um, young lady states, and uh, it costs airlines tens of thousands of dollars to train a, a pilot, so I think it's a, uh, you know, a, a good... Uh, act in in his memory to leave that um class slot open so um yeah, yeah just it's well a nice gesture isn't it it's um a way of sort of you know sort of acknowledging what's happened really isn't it absolutely very nice very nice well done Armando. it's always good um when you hear stories like this obviously when when you know the respect is paid to the crew in this kind of situation because, like you said, you know, this 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 wasn't given the massive media attention that that 
you know, possibly another uh, incident would have had with passengers, but it still needs that attention to put into perspective what has happened here with you know, its families. Yeah, and it's, um, it is those random little acts of kindness. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody on uh, our APG family, or that used to be on the APG family, is very close to this yeah. um, situation, and he posted a picture from one of the regular hotels that their crews stayed at, and the hotel staff had uh, left letters for the Atlas Air um, crews coming in expressing their condolences so just these random little acts of kindness that bring the aviation community together is uh it's great yeah it is nice so moving on to the next story and this one is on the bizjournals.com website and it's bad news for airbus well slightly bad news for airbus obviously they've had um the a380 program wind down and the headline for the story airbus off to a slow start in 2019 as cancellations mount so airbus has secured orders for only four aircraft through to the end of february while conversely having uh, had yeah move on this this story is not more relevant, than to be honest, is it? I mean, it's, it's cancellations not... during the first I two mean... months of the year the, 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 yeah, I mean, there's there's no correlation from any other websites. <laughs> I, I, I think that no, 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 we need to move on. Move on. So as I said, Airbus or this week reported four net orders in February, all for the A220, which I must say, Al, they are doing incredibly well with this A220. Um, that uh, until the middle well, of last year, when we year, saw it uh, last year, I think we all concluded that um, it's a cracking aeroplane. I mean, let's be honest, it's uh, it's Bombardier under the hood, but uh, Airbus, you know, is the badge that stuck onto it. Uh, but the combination of the two, the design and functionality of the aeroplane, and then the, the global support that Airbus will bring to it, it's of no surprise to me that this is going to be an absolute winner, certainly in the US, with those super big hat bins that you can get those ginormous <laughs> wheeler boards on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a cracking airplane. It's, it's a game changer. Um, to be honest, very similar to how the, the Embraer 1145, the Barbie jet, was in its day because we went from, you know, turboprops to regional jets very quickly. And, uh, yeah, I think that the in America, for sure, uh, this airplane is going to be very popular. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Al on this one. I was working for Atlantic Coast Airlines when we were flying Jetstream 31s and 42s, and the first CRJ, Bombardier CRJs were coming online, the 200s, and I, I believe at that time we were getting uh, eight a month at, at Dulles Airport, and it was, it was as Al was saying, it was revolutionary at the time. Mm. Um, yeah, I, th I think this airplane is going to be a hit also. I should also just point out that, Carlos, for some reason you're doing um, Al's story. I don't know if there's any particular reason Come why on. you're doing it. Yeah. No, I didn't know. <laughs> but anyway. It's a well-old machine. Well, okay, I up. can pick up on the story because yeah. I've got the updated version. <laughs> <laughs> right. okay. So Airbus off to an absolutely astounding start <coughs> in 2019 as orders mount. Right. Airbus has secured hundreds of orders for brand new aircraft, <laughs> and it is only February. Uh, <laughs> Airbus... Airbus this week reported 400 net orders in February, all for the A220, uh, and that follows orders from European man. <coughs> oh, steady. Uh, You're right. Comes yep. The company has also revealed a total of 1,030 orders 
through the next two months, which will mean that they will be supplying up to 420,000 airframes <laughs> in March alone. Oh, right. Okay. This, is, this is all from the Al report, not bizjournals.com. Yeah. Boeing ended 2018 by bowing down and saying, we right. have lots. Okay. Right. We okay. cannot produce sufficiently good airplanes to challenge okay. Airbus' its superior position in the global market. And we are now going to build a new aeroplane that will not be as good as the A330neo, said CEO. Oh, I can't quite read his name there. Anyway, that's the basic story of it. Moving on. <laughs> oh, dear. You heard it here first. Yeah, From the field report. Right? Our accuracy ratings just... Yeah, just, just, yeah, just crashed. But anyway, there yeah. we are. <laughs> so there we go. Right. So basically, Airbus are doing well. And um, I'm sure uh, Al should be the ambassador for Airbus. Right, okay, <laughs> good, lovely, okay. Uh, right, uh, next story then, please, ladies and gents. Uh, the next story is uh, on the trav- uh, traveller.com.au website. It's one for uh, Steve Vischer and Grant McCarran to listen to. So it's good news if you live in Australia, because Qantas carry-on bag limits are increasing from 7 kilos to 10 kilos. And this is not due to an increase in the size of the bins. So Qantas domestic passengers will soon be able to board flights with heavier carry-on bags. Oh, great. After travellers complained about the airline's 7 kilo limit. From March 25th this year, travellers will be allowed to carry one item weighing as much as 10 kilos and a second piece up to 4 kilos. Currently, travellers are allowed to bring two carry-on bags weighing no more than 7 kilos per piece. The total cabin baggage weight limit will still be 14 kilos per person, with the rule change allowing one bag to be heavier than the other. The physical size limits on cabin bags will remain the same. Passengers are also still allowed to bring one small personal item bag, such as a handbag, slim laptop bag, as well as the two carry-on bags. Qantas said that the airline crews will be at the airport to ensure passengers are adhering to the new baggage policy. I think another airline in the UK does a similar thing. Adding that any piece of cabin baggage weighing more than 10 kilos will have to be checked in. The decision followed a trial over summer which included weighing passengers' carry-on bags at the boarding gate. It found that while 9 out of 10 travellers had less than 10 kilos of uh, cabin baggage, a total of around 40% of passengers had bags that weighed between 7 and 10 kilos. You right there, Matt? Am I the only person who can see the fatal flaw in this? I I mean, talk about overcomplicating something fundamentally straightforward. So the, the, the total cabin weight limit per person is 14 kilos, but no single bag greater than 10. But you can, I mean, goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I could see Grant now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually having a bit of a, a field day with that. Actually, yeah. I, no, what I was laughing about, sorry, is, is this. It, is it any wonder that it takes four or five weeks to check in for a flight these days? Because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. Yeah, I've just been yeah. reading some of the chat the comments in the chat room, actually. Uh, several of them seem to be uh, around the fact that Carlos hasn't got his hat on. Uh, Captain Jeff has suggested that one of the reasons why he isn't wearing his hat is because it's been sucked into the jet engine that's behind him. Yeah. And that's why the hat's disappeared. <laughs> uh, that's. that's one option, uh, certainly, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Is, uh, that, that's a Boeing behind you, Carlos. It's not strong enough that engine to suck in <laughs> anything. To be honest, indeed. Yeah, fire tonight. Absolutely. What was in that pasta? Al? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
I mean, does anyone else share my frustration with all of this nonsense about weight limits, size limits, and all the rest of it for bags? Turn up with a carrier bag. You can get on. End of. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think a lot of it is because uh, the, the, the model of a lot of the low-cost carriers are basically charging so much for people to put stuff in the hold, and that's why people are desperate to go to any lengths to avoid it? I mean, you know, if they made it cheaper to put stuff in the hold or they didn't charge you to put stuff in the hold, maybe people wouldn't try and put stuff in the hat bins. I mean, I, I don't imagine too many people regard Qantas as a low-cost carrier. No, so, um, yeah, all right, shut up. Yeah, sorry. That, that would be me being... Uh, no, I'm, I'm not trying to be, to, to be rude, yeah. but I'm just saying, look, uh, you know, you've got 14 kilos per person. You're allowed two bags, but no one of them to be greater than 10. It's like some sort of question out of, you know, O-level maths paper, isn't it? You know, Peter is seven years older than Brian, who in turn is... Train a for goodness Chicago. sake, it, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, it's all pointless anyway. Because if you if you say, okay, you're allowed 14 kilos, one single bag being 10, right? So they weigh it at check in. Mm. Then you go and buy a shed load of stuff in the duty free, put it into yeah. your what was a 10 kilo bag that now is weighed 20 kilo, shoehorn it into the hat bin <laughs> that's villaging under the stress. Yes. And the next thing you know, it's bouncing down the cabin because you're travelling on a Boeing and it's, it's crapped out again, isn't right. it? <laughs> okay. I, right. I do have a real question for you, Al. What, what do you do for, for weight and balance? Do you just ha have an average? Do you calculate everybody bringing on 14 kilos? What do you, like, how do you approach it from, from the front end? Okay, so it's a very, very sensible question for which, unfortunately, there, is, there isn't a really sensible answer <laughs> because all of the airlines across the world, other than the, the ones who are operating on very, very small aircraft who will actually weigh individual passengers in their bags, we all weigh, work on sort of averages. So, for example, uh, a female passenger weighs 77 kilos, a male passenger weighs 88 kilos. And that, funnily I enough, wish. includes their hand baggage. <laughs> well, this is the... Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's to simplify the process, but that the, the whole thing is, is based on so many, you know, simplicities. Uh, so, yeah, so the 88 kilos for a bloke includes their hand baggage allowance. Oh, um, now, if we... If we end up having to take bags uh, from the cabin because we've run out of space for them and putting them in the hold, funnily enough, these bags now develop a weight because now they're going in the hold, we actually have to account for them. So they suddenly take on weight. They never had weight in the first place, but now they do. Right. So it's all a bit of a, a strange sort of setup, really. And yeah. ultimately, when you, when you take... The overall picture, whether someone is 88 kilos or 70 kilos, it's, it's all averaged out. And it's all done with big, big safety margins. So there's no great risk of being spectacularly overweight. Although there have been occasions where aircraft have been substantially heavier than people thought they were. Uh, and I'm minded of a story uh, some years ago of... Uh, a load of guys traveling on a flight and when the aircraft you know eventually labored itself into the air um the uh the pilots said that th there's something not quite right here that the weight and balance really isn't right and uh they they asked the cabin crew this well you know there's a lot of guys are they big guys you know have we got you know like the tongan rugby team and the supporting <laughs> you know yes, yeah, yeah. no not really um but they're all going on a convention and the captain uh -huh. said, 
what what convention? And it turned out to be a coin collector's convention. Wow, so they were okay. all carrying significant <laughs> amounts of yeah. coins. <laughs> wow, uh, yeah. So, it, it, you know, you can have extreme events that will, will uh, tip the balance, so mm. to speak. Uh, but in answer <laughs> to your question, Mana, uh, no, it, it's just a function of the, the number of people. That's where the, the, the hand baggage comes in. Mm. And I'm just fed up really of the fact that checking now because of all of these processes you know like with okay i appreciate that we can't have just anything in the hat bin but you know everything has to be sized weighed so you're you know 12 grams over your 10 kilo limit so now you've got to you know unpack your bag yeah. find something like a toothbrush remove that shove it in your shirt pocket <laughs> put the bag back on the scale bingo fantastic toothbrush stays in you in your shirt pocket, everybody's happy, and if you excuse the impression, naff all has changed in reality. <laughs> yeah, no, fair point. Yeah, I suppose they have to draw the line as far as passengers are concerned somewhere, though. We could talk about this for, for hours. We probably should move on. The next, to the next story, story, Matt, yeah. this, is, uh, this is a diamond one for you. Is it? Okay, mm. all right. So this is on the Traveller website, traveller.com.au. Uh, so that must mean, that's Australia, isn't it, AU? Oh, okay. Anyway, US pilot orders 23 pizzas for passengers of an Air Canada plane stranded on the tarmac. <laughs> I never get the luck. He's just like, if I'm going to be stranded, you know, bring me a Domino's and I will forgive you. Uh, so, <laughs> a pilot on an Air Canada flight knew exactly what to do after his uh, diverted plane full of passengers was stranded for eight hours in the snow. Order pizza. Uh, Air Canada Flight 608 departed from Halifax, Nova Scotia, from Toronto uh, on Monday evening, but was forced to divert to Fredrickson uh, near Brunswick due to severe weather. The sudden reroute left passengers stranded on a snowy tarmac for hours with little to eat, until the pilot ordered 23 pies from uh, Mingler's Restaurant and Pub in New Brunswick. Uh, Josie Lavery, uh, the restaurant's owner and manager, said that uh, the pilot called mingling the sort of canadian word for swinging i'm just curious <laughs> i don't know uh we'll ask auntie liz uh <laughs> no i suggest that we do not ask auntie liz about swinging okay, okay. <laughs> moving moving, moving on uh, sorry <laughs> anyway uh there's a limit there's a limit mr smith All sorry right. you're pushing it i meant more as our, our canadian correspondent who might be able to answer your question <laughs> Stop trying to get me You're into trouble. Now. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very warm in the studio. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just like, yes, I don't need your help to get into trouble, Al. Thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> direct from the cockpit to request cheese and pepperoni pizzas for all of his passengers. We have delivered to an airport a few times to feed people, but not to a plane, Lavery said. Uh, I told him, no, that's Planes not a problem. Planes don't eat. They're inanimate, inanimate <laughs> objects. objects. They don't require food. <laughs> no, okay, for the passengers on the plane. So, no, not, that's not a problem because we complete large orders like that on a basic every day. Uh, Lavery added that the delivery from stove to plane was completed in an hour and 15 minutes despite weather conditions. Talk about five stars. Passenger Bill Carlson who was on the receiving end of the order shared a picture to fellow travellers chowing down as a flight attendant offered him slices of cheese pizza. He captioned the, pizza, he captioned the image pizza has arrived. Uh, a fantastic story. Well done to, to this pilot. But can you imagine this taking place in the UK? So you've got this situation, okay, we, we've got no, no food, we're going to be here for eight hours, 
I'm going to order pizzas for everybody. Fantastic, until up pipes the snowflake. Well, I'm vegan, so can I have vegan cheese and, and no pepperoni? You're right, yeah. I, I, I see where you're going with this, Al. Uh, yeah, it's a good point, yeah. Also, I mean... You, you, could guarantee, you could guarantee in the UK that someone would be, would be offended by this, wouldn't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But it's true, though, mate. You'd, you'd be more than happy if you are on this flight and they brought all some nice hot pizzas on board frankly i'd accept a, a pucker pie frankly if yeah. i'm if I'm, <laughs> I'm hungry but i mean not a euphemism folk the picture the picture that bill carson has posted on twitter here does show the passengers they do look rather happy with their um their their pizza it's, it's safe to say i mean they're all eating the pizza so but uh, um, I, I mean i, I um, I'm minded of the fact that uh, Monarch Airlines did something very similar to this quite a number of years ago where they delivered uh, a load of Big Mac meals to the aircraft because the catering had got lost somewhere oh, between wow. Orlando Sanford and Orlando McCoy and the captain just went into the terminal and it was on a, if I remember rightly, it was on a DC-10 so he'd have ordered probably about 360 Big Mac meals. There was no snowflakes in, that day, in those days so people were quite happy with the meat. <laughs> Well, indeed, there we are. Uh, we should move on before move we get on, letters yeah. about off about, about talking so about food. So the all next story, uh, <laughs> next story, Nev, is uh, a story right, right up your uh, your alley. This one. Oh. Yes, and uh, continue the theme of food. Oh no! Really? <laughs> no I'm really getting hungry here. Oh, no. It's a good thing we have a reservation yes. of checks. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm starving that's now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's on the breaking service. travel news. Oh, carry Sorry, on, Nev. What was that? Uh, Al was inquiring oh, sorry, about rooms, uh, room, uh, room service or something. Oh, well, right. you, you said you were starving, oh. so I can order you something. You know, right, that's I, really I helpful, thanks. On. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we could shout down to Mother, I suppose. She might be able to bring do, us. Well, uh, do, do you have Deliveroo or Uber Eats in Bungie? Good Lord, no. <laughs> Domino's? Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> But anyway, uh, 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 Nev, Nev, please um, save the situation. Uh, <laughs> Well, actually, sort of uh, upping the uh, you know the, 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 the quality of the whole thing, yeah. but um, BA is Wouldn't set to much. deliver significant. Well, no, <laughs> significant changes to the onboard products and service in its first-class cabin, as part of its 6.5 billion pound investment for customers. Uh, the new look and feel, set to take to the skies from March the 31st, will include new bedding, amenities and menus. Uh, the airline's customers will be offered super soft, sophisticated new male and female loungewear. Moving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's noticed. Keep moving. <laughs> no. um, designed exclusively by luxury British fashion brand Temperley London. Uh, the airline's chief uh, chiefs have also designed new a new delicious a la carte menu that focuses on fresh seasonal ingredients of British provenance. Mm. Uh, the new menus will be served on delicate, uh, sorry, elegant bone china crockery and delicate possibly as well. Uh, designed exclusively for the airline by high-end British tableware designer William Edwards. Uh, the new tableware will be accompanied by contemporary cutlery from Studio William. Yeah. Oh, it's not a Ryanair flight, can't you? Um, uh, the airline will also be introducing a new signature afternoon tea service, showcasing the great British tradition of high tea. Uh, the menu will include a selection of sandwiches, delicate pastries and scones, 
as well as a wide range of tea infusions. Uh, as part of the changes, BA is also investing in new Dartington glassware. Travellers will now be able to enjoy the airline's fine wines and champagnes from sophisticated stemware, whilst soft drinks and spirits will be served from elegant cut glass tumblers. Uh, Carolina Martinelli, BA's Director of Brand and Customer Experience, said, as part of our £6.5 billion investment for customers, we're changing parts of the travel experience in our first cabin. Our team of designers, chefs and customer service experts have carefully thought through the details we know matter most to our customers. In this, our centenary year, Ha ha. Uh, we've sought out some of the best designer and manufacturers to work with to ensure traveling in first with British Airways is an unforgettable experience. Now, Nev, we're, we're obviously traveling with BA at the end of this year to Dubai. Oh. Uh, what, what was the difference in price, do you know? I, I don't know, between uh, the particular, um, you know, Travel arrangements we have muggle class and, and, and first class. class. I don't I don't know whether you whether you looked or not. I, I didn't look. I, I just for a laugh. I think I looked at first class. I think there's no <laughs> first class on the triple seven coming back, but there was on the seven four going out, and I think it was the difference between you know three hundred and sixty quid in the cheap seats and eight grand in first class. Oh, okay. 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 The price of a small okay. car, essentially. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. okay. <laughs> and you still don't get. A fresh flower in the lavatory because they have silk flowers in the lavatory, not fresh flowers. Right. They do. Okay. That's right. Yeah, we sure. And these things matter. These yeah. things matter. You know, if you're going to spend, what is it, £6.5 billion, we'll put some decent flowers in the bog. <laughs> the people yeah. who travel in first appreciate these things. It's a, it's, a, it's a good point well made. I just like that they're doing an upgrade because they must be listening to the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, but also, the, I, I just had to read it twice because I thought it said six point five million, but it said six point five billion. billion. It's a big number. So, uh, it certainly is, isn't it? It so, is. And if you're listening, yeah. uh, BA, um, that's November. Uh, me and Nev yeah. will be travelling. Do you want to give a date just in well, case? Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll let you know after like numbers and dates. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on yeah, to... Yeah, I presume you, you'd be happy to settle for business class. Oh, but business class yeah, is Yeah, it doesn't fine. have to be business first class. class. Fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm Interestingly, I mean, I, I know we're not going to talk about food, but just very quickly, BA have got a long way to go to beat the Aer Lingus afternoon tea experience. They do seven different flavours of scone in seven, business class. Seven different flavours of scone? Scones. Yes. Right. They okay. Well, there's, there's jam. Armando's looking. What the hell's a scone? You know what a scone is. You you must have had an afternoon tea. You've had a scone. Sco scone. 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 Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, they, they, they do a coffee scone, <laughs> yes. which is very nice, actually. So, yes. yeah, um, let, 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 let's see how many different scones BA can come up. I'm slightly scared that my, my, my diction is being picked up by an American. No offence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that... <laughs> moving on, so moving on, uh, moving on. Anyway, uh, right, whose go is it next? Uh, I'm on there. I think oh, that's right. me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. So this is from AOPA. I think uh, this applies mostly to our U.S. listeners and increasingly the European market too, because they just broke into that uh, over here uh, last year, I believe. Uh, so Boeing acquires ForeFlight. The co-founder of ForeFlight says the breakneck pace of enhancements to the flight planning application will not change now that his company is owned by airliner behemoth Boeing. Uh, the airline manufacturer uh, announced March 6th that it had acquired Houston-based ForeFlight, previously privately held, 
ForeFlight is believed to be the largest player in electronic flight bag app business. The company teamed with Boeing-owned Jeppesen in 2016 to incorporate Jeppesen Terminal and Enroute charts as an option in ForeFlight. It was also working with Jeppesen's uh, Flight Deck Pro app team to bring new features to that product. The acquisition also expands Boeing's rapidly growing unparalleled digital services portfolio, which will enable us to compete win and win the $2.8 trillion 10-year services market, says uh, Boeing Vice President Ken Sane. Uh, ForeFlight was founded in 2007 with when general aviation pilots uh, Tyson Ways and Jason Miller developed a weather planning service for the first generation of Apple iPhone. When the next iPhone model could handle apps, the team quickly expanded the capabilities into flight planning and then came the iPad in 2010. The product sprout sprouted IFR and VFR <laughs> chart overlays and many other features. Uh, today, the app integrates weather, pre-flight planning, moving map overlays, variety of additional resources for general aviation, business aviation, military, and the airlines. Uh, goes on to say subscription prices are between $100 and $300 annually, depending on the features selected. Uh, they have developed an, a, a reputation for an amazing pace of innovation and new features, with app updates occurring every few weeks. Uh, the company also has an admirable reputation for customer service. Um, so I I am a huge fan of Forefly. I think we've talked about that here yeah, before. We have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah mm -hmm. I showed you guys. So the general sort of consensus is let's see what happens with this. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we love Forflight. We'd hate for if anybody's listening. We'd hate for Forflight to change. Um, you know, especially if that the price point I think works. It, they've got uh, four or five different levels, but um, I, I don't know if it, if it really gets more expensive than that and you start losing any kind of interoperability. Uh, you know, that, I don't know. I think that, that'll be a downward. Al, didn't you do a an interview with the folks at ForeFlight when you went to... I did because I, uh, I spoke to them with regards to their launch into Europe and I... Uh, kind of had a, an anticipation that has been largely proven right and i'm not going to do them a disservice here but i think I, they underestimated the task that was involved to bring foreflight to europe foreflight works brilliantly in the us and in canada because fundamentally all of the infrastructure is there pulling into the, all of the information largely just comes from one or two sources in Europe, of course, it comes from numerable sources. I think there are 23 countries uh, under the European banner. So each one of those has its own aviation regulator, provider of data, etc. Um, so I think that their their progress in Europe is is slow. Um, I'm hopeful that they will be able to deliver the same level of product that they have done in the United States. Um, probably more so for the IFR market, the instrument flight rules, rather than the VFR. But I also have some concerns about this, this acquisition from Boeing, because quite often when, let's just say, grassroots software applications are bought up by large companies, the first thing that goes down the tubes is the customer service. Mm. And that's vital for these sort of applications, because for flight has grown a huge amount and it is quite intuitive but there are occasions just like in anything else in the world where you have to turn to tech support 
And historically, the for-flight tech support's been pretty good and the customer service has been good. And I just worry that that's, that's not going to be the same going forward. And I'm hopeful that this investment might make for-flight in Europe better, but I also have some reservations about that. I'm very pleased to be talking about this in a year's time and to say that I was completely proven wrong and how fantastic ForeFlight's doing in Europe. Um, we shall see. I think Amando's already sort of kind of evaluated the situation. I've asked a few of my American GA pilots what they think about it. And I think it's probably fair to say that they have concerns. Good on the two guys who developed it. They'll be uh, going down to the bank with a very hearty check. Mm, um, yeah. But I wonder whether they're going to be kept on in some sort of uh, managerial role or if they're just going to retire to Barbados, never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah, probably the latter, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I, could, could you argue maybe that some, someone like Boeing with their financial might, you know, they, they've now got the finances in place, if you like, to sort of, you know, really hit Europe perhaps and, and sort of spend the money that's needed to, to bring it to everyone's... Uh, it, it's know. a logical point. I, to be honest, I don't think Four Flight were ever strapped for cash okay. to be able to do agree with the that. development work in Europe. Um, I think it was a, a logical progression, um, but uh, it, it's it's slow progress. I mean, they they launched in Europe uh, over a year ago, and it's only within the last few weeks that they've managed to have any charting outside of Jefferson for the UK. Mm. So um, it's a very very slow progress for them um, and I don't think it's lack of money I think it's it was uh, underestimating the, the the task that was involved mm -hmm. and then you know how to implement it. because if you're dealing with 23 different organizations it's a heck of a lot more complex than just dealing with one or two and if you're used to dealing with just one organization and of course language difficulties etc will come into play here um, so you know just uh, as we will encounter problems dealing with, you know, Bulgarians or, you know, Hungarians or uh, even the French. Did I really mention the French? Yeah, I did. <laughs> De dealing with the French. Um, it, it's wholly different to just dealing, say, with the FAA or NOAA uh, in the United States. So I generally don't think it's a, it's a lack of funding that's that slow progress. And I actually don't think that the Boeing purchase will make any difference to the progress um, my concerns are just how how this product might just become. I mean, well, the reason that they bought Four Flight is very obvious because they want the user interface skills that Four Flight have been able yeah. to develop. Mm -hmm. the The Jefferson GA products are ropey. The mm -hmm. Jefferson professional products, from a user interface point of view, aren't great. Um, and that's why they've bought Four Flight. They want the expertise in the user interface. Uh, so, with, with that in mind, there is a possibility, of course, then perhaps that the 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 model that you know it as may actually be relatively unscathed because it's though it's those skills that they want for other applications, perhaps rather than fiddling with ForeFlight itself. Well, yeah, the risk is that you know ForeFlight is is you know the forgotten cousin. Yeah, you know they they they, they poach the expertise in the development team for other projects. And four flight stifles. So it suffers. Yeah. And, that, and Al touched on a point. Four flight was created by general aviation for general aviation, then it was picked up by other industries. And that's one of the things that I'm afraid of is now that it's got the Boeing title on it, that general aviation 
will maybe you know not be at the top of their priority list. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good point. I mean, a good analogy for this might be your your village pub that has been run successfully as an independent pub gets taken over by you know a big pub chain. I won't mention or something. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to mention anything in particular, but yeah, I mean, there's various ones. It's not going to be the same pub, is it? No, they're still going to serve no. beer. They're still going to serve food, but the bloke behind the counter isn't in a position to say, "Right, lads, we're going to have a lock-in tonight." Yeah, fair point. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Anyway, we better move we'll on because we are rapidly running out of time already. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah. next well, story. That'll probably mean there's no time for the military that, section. No, it? <laughs> the, <laughs> it's, it's the last time that Armando's in the studio. We have to do. Oh, I'm just happy yeah. to be here. <laughs> so the, the, the next. No, no, no. We will let him do a story. The yeah, no, one story. I'll yeah, all <laughs> oh, right, that's good. Anyway, come the on. next story, <laughs> uh, Captain Alice, for you, and obviously th- this this one is regarding uh, something that interests me. Actually, is to what the perks you get as uh, as flight crew. So carry on. Yeah, absolutely. This comes from uh, USA Today. Uh, Amando, is that generally regarded as a quality newspaper or a tat newspaper? Uh, sure, it's nationwide. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, he's so diplomatic. Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah. spot the politician. Yeah, yeah. Okay. absolutely. So, yeah. You um, told us nothing in that statement, Armando. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Moving on. This is, uh, this is from the USA Today yesterday, if that makes any sense. <laughs> there you go. So you just say yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, from the USA yesterday, more than 35 United Airlines employees were fired after the company discovered they were abusing their uh, employee travel perks by selling travel passes, which are intended for employees and their friends and family. United employees at the gate noticed something fishy about a particular group of nine non-revenue pass riders. Oh, dear. (laughs) Personal hygiene standards not great in some parts of the US, it's probably fair to say. Uh, The company said in an article published on United's internal site and obtained by USA Today, the three families who were traveling internationally stated they had paid for their first-class tickets and they were on non-revenue reservations and were unable to provide the names of employees who had provided the tickets. Following an investigation, the airline uncovered a brokering scheme where employees were soliciting past travel privileges no from way. their colleagues to be put up for sale. Maim Biak rants against United Airlines crew for shutting boarding door in my face. Hang on, I'm not even certain that's part that's, of the same story. Right. <laughs> no, no. Um, Way to read the link. Who put this question mark in there? (laughs) Yeah, okay. So United discovered some employees gave fake documentation in order to name travelers as their step-parents or domestic partners. Some of the employees who gave up their passes received payment, while others were deceived into giving away their past travel privileges based on the pretext that the passes were good, were for a good friend or relative, even... Although even that it would have been against the rules, the airline stated in the article, the employees involved were fired. United explained, noting some claimed that they believed that what they were doing was okay since they had past travel privileges that weren't being used. United spokesman Frank Benaretti told USA Today yesterday, enjoying flying privileges is a unique and special advantage of working at an airline and it is intended only for our employees and their friends and family. We have clear rules on flying privileges 
so we can fairly enjoy this benefit. The article also provided a reminder to employees about the rules of travel passes. Don't let something like this happen to you, the airline continued. Your past travel privileges are intended for use only by you and your friends and family members. While you can be reimbursed by your past riders for any taxes, fees and inputted income for their travel, charging above that amount is not allowed and selling the past travel or trading for goods or services isn't either. Um, I have to say well done to United on this because it has been an ongoing problem for quite a while and enough is enough because otherwise the few will spoil it for the many. Mm. Actually, you said, I mean, I can only use sort of coach driving as an example, but I mean, there was a time when you used it slightly, slightly different, but as the coach driver, you used to have a perch. So when you turn up to, say, Birch Hanger Services or Cambridge Services with a coach load of people, the coach driver for essentially choosing that service station to go to was given a perk or, a, or a, you know, like a, an incentive, if you like, to encourage you to bring your coach load of people to there. But because there's been, again, it's the majority or the minority spoiling it for the majority uh, those benefits have been dropped and dropped and dropped because some people were like bringing empty coaches where they had no 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 passengers on board for example and therefore we're still and we're still claiming their benefit if you like uh, and so now a lot of them Birchanger especially where they used to give you sort of a 10 pound voucher now only give you a two pound voucher and, and things like that you used to be able to as a coach driver go to Thirstford uh, Christmas spectacular and as the driver you used to be allowed to go in free you now can't do that because drivers used to try and take all of their family with them as well and it's the same in this scenario isn't it it's um people sort of because you know that in in your industry quite rightly there are usually some pretty impressive perks available as a pilot yeah and when you're doing your employee onboarding it, it it's i think they make this absolutely clear that you know, I, I know when I, I grew up in an airline family, my dad was an airline pilot with, mm. and my brother, and they even would, would stipulate the dress code for a non-rev, uh, tr non-rev yeah. travel. Um, and, and it was always, I know my dad would uh, be very strict with me as to even how I acted when mm. I was a non-rev employee yeah. because it was representing the airline. You were still representing yeah. the airline, even yeah, though you weren't on duty. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, so. I mean, uh, now, Al, this is, this is a subject, obviously, that you're very passionate about, isn't it, in regard to dress code and, and things like that? Yeah, very much so. I, I, I genuinely believe that as an industry, we're kind of spiralling downwards in uh, uh, people's estimations. And I'm not trying to make this into, hey, I'm a pilot, look at me, you know, worship the ground I walk on. It's nothing to do with that. It's about professional etiquette. Mm. And if we want the public to respect us as an industry, then we need to behave uh, accordingly. Mm. And a lot of that stems from, you know, how we dress, how we present ourselves. You know, I've, I've said on social media, you know, if the airline provides you with a shirt that has buttons, use them. Yeah. If you are provided with a tie, wear it with pride. And yeah, absolutely, you know, moving back to the story, if you are lucky and privileged enough to work for an airline that provides you these perks, respect it, because mm. otherwise the airline will simply remove them. And that will hurt everybody big time. So, you know, let's, uh, let's not 
screw everybody else just for a few bucks in our in our bank account. We all appreciate that everybody's got bills to pay, but there are, this isn't the way to go, folks. No, indeed. In fact, actually, we're just we're just having a look here in the studio. I'm just trying to get one to to pop up here. But I mean, even if you go back to like the 1970s as an example, um, you know, I mean, there was a time when oh, that's brilliant. I've chosen the only one that's really tiny. Uh, so there there was a time when you would. Um, you, even when you the passengers when they were traveling i mean it we used to be a, a thing where you were you, you traveled in shirt and tie you know and mm. and yeah, you know, sort of you know you, cer you certainly wouldn't have any of this where you've got people who are traveling in jogging bottoms and a t-shirt do you know what i mean i mean the, this used to be the sort of standard when you were were, were flying around and it's just like I, I, is is that the fault of like low cost airlines perhaps because it is now affordable by people who perhaps we, we have to be very careful because um, the industry, uh, since the period of time that that photograph has taken, has changed a lot. And it has made airline travel accessible to everybody. Yeah, including uh, me, to not, be fair. Well, yes. I, I say everybody. I mean, a lot more people than it would have been previously. It, it now, relatively speaking, isn't expensive to fly to the United States. When that photo was taken, it would have been very expensive and outside yeah. of the reach of many normal, hard-working, in inverted yeah. commas, working-class people. So we, we have to be minded of the fact that we've made travel accessible to a lot of people, and that's a good thing. Um, I don't particularly mind within reason um, how passengers dress on board. At the end of the day, they've bought the ticket, and as long as they are dressed respectfully, um, then that's absolutely fine. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is that most airlines require their cabin crew to be dressed very smartly and professionally. I know a couple of airlines are taking what I consider to be a retrograde step at the moment with regards to uniform standards, but maybe that's a subject for another show. Mm. Uh, but from the piloting community, if we wish to be professionally respected, then let's behave professionally. Yeah, I mean, Nev, how, I mean, how do you, obviously you do perhaps more flying than most of us uh, here. Well, I mean, Armando, I mean, you do quite a lot as well. I mean, how, how do you feel about the whole sort of like image thing as far as airlines and, and their, their pilots and cabin crew are concerned? Yeah, I think that, that Al's right. I think um, the crew have to be as professional as they can, not just in the way that they're operating the aircraft, obviously, and, and the customer service, but also how, how they look. And also, I think they do. They they could if they are not professional in that in, in the way they look. I think that could do the airline a disservice. But more importantly, when it comes to you know uh, pay increases and terms and conditions and all the rest of it, um, then they might not find themselves in such an advantageous position. And I just think it's. Um, it's fair and reasonable to to ask people to, to to dress professionally when they're when they're doing that job, especially when you know the airline. I mean, I know they've probably possibly bought the uniform themselves in in some cases, but um, you know you, you've got to look reasonable for for the uh, for the operation, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, the reason that I've I've raised my head above the parapet about this is that if in years to come as a pilot community when there isn't a pilot shortage and we're you know scrabbling around in the dirt trying to get the best terms and conditions the best pay bearing in mind that it's very easy for guys such as me who've you know paid off their debts um, you know not that long to go to retirement but it's the it's the guys new into the industry with a hundred grand or more debt yeah. and you know 
what we want is to be paid an appropriate amount of money for the job that we do because it is a responsible job and if we want people to respect us then let's look the part Mm. uh, because the professional standards generally speaking on the flight deck are high but if the public see us looking like you know ragtag and you know army turning up to the aeroplane what's their first impression well you know he looks scruffy i'm sure he's not very good at his job Mm. so uh, first impressions do count Um, and i've directed this also to you know people in the industry who are in inverted commas very social media savvy Mm. so let's convey what we do in social media i appreciate i'm sat here with an open shirt but that's because i just wanted to take my tie off so i will apologize to anybody who thinks i'm hypocritical um but if we want to convey ourselves to the masses then let's look the part let's do the right thing um and let's not belittle our profession um let's you know make the public aware that what we do is a difficult job mm. it's not something that everybody can do and also let's try to maintain our standards in all aspects mm. for future generations of pilots so that we don't end up in the position where we have pilots who can't afford to live because the pay is so poor yeah. in certain quarters it's already bad enough yeah that's true. Uh, and I think also... You your... over. Sorry. Yeah, that's anyway. fine. You carry okay, on. Well... Uh, also, in your defence, to be fair, Al, uh, you are off duty. You are in your hotel room. You're not out in public, although obviously you're on, on the show. That's, <laughs> we don't expect you to be wearing shirt and tie. So I think, I think to be fair, the fact that you're in your own private you know, room is, is a sufficient reason enough not to be wearing a tie. <laughs> anyway, yes, we better move and, on. And to be perfectly honest, I also needed to take the tie off to disassociate myself from my employer. Oh, no, of course, yes, no, yes, 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 that's appropriate. Yeah. So the next story. Uh, anybody who knows me and knows me well enough knows exactly where I work, but that's not really the point. No, no, no. But, no, no, the I pasta. just didn't want to appear to be hypocritical. No, so well, no and the pasta here. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously Absolutely. eating past, pasta, that's a, that's a disaster as well, isn't it? Uh, anyway. So right. the next story is on the gulfnews.com website. And as we all know, it's International Women's Day thingy. What's the name that's happening, isn't it? Is it this thingy weekend? Thingy, what's the name? Right. Okay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it was a few days ago. Yeah. 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 So uh, UAE, the uh, United Arab Emirates, Emirates um, Airlines. God, this is actually our story, isn't it? No one else has done the one. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm not paying attention now. Sorry. Well done, Matt. <laughs> so Emirates Sorry, uh, I, I Airlines. I did the one about the, uh, the United staff flogging yeah. their travel benefits to, right. uh, yeah, on sorry. eBay. I, I I'm terribly sorry. I had a nap. So Emirates <laughs> are paying tribute to all women in their workforce on the occasion of International Women's Day. Dubai Emirates Airlines is paying tribute to all women in its work uh, workforce as advocates of for gender equality across the globe and are set to celebrate International Women's Day this weekend. In a video released on Thursday this week, the UAE-based carrier highlighted the diversity of its female staff showing women handling various roles across the company from the cockpit to the ramp and to the service desks. The short film showcases females working as pilots, cabin crew, members and engineering staff amongst others. Behind the scenes, smooth takeoffs, the perfect landings, the iconic hat and the welcoming smiles, the ambition to soar and the passion for more are the women of Emirates, the voiceover states. 
International Women's Day is celebrated every March the 8th. Although women have been fighting for equality for many years, the female gender continues to face challenges. In a recent study released by Global Institute for Women's Leadership, Ipsos and King's College London, on the special occasion, women highlighted equal pay as one of the issues still facing them. Uh, particularly in Serbia, cited by 41% of the women, Australia 40%, uh, Poland 24% and Russia 21%. Across the globe, 36% of the res uh, respondents said that paying women the same as men would really help achieve equality between the sexes. Tougher laws to prevent violence and harassment against women would also help promote women's rights. Uh, Abdulazi Ali Ali, Executive Vice President of Human Resources at Emirates Group, said that they're very proud of their talented and passionate female colleagues in the company. He's sure that they will continue to provide an environment that facilitates the enhancement of professional skill sets and career growth for the female staff in the aviation sector. On the occasion of International Women's Day, we'd like to thank all our female staff for their dedication, professionalism, and for their significant contribution to the success of Emirates, he said. Women account for over 40% of the Emirates Group workforce and come from around 160 nationalities worldwide, including over 1,100 UAE nationals. A small number, uh, more than one-fifth of the females in the company, also have been with Emirates for at least a decade. Now, Captain Al, how many, um, roughly off the top of your head, how many par uh, female pilots do you have uh, with your airline? Uh, off the top of my head, I've got no idea, to be perfectly honest. I'm uh, not uh, privy to such information. Um, I was flying with a very nice lady pilot today, um, so uh, I can't answer your question in truth. Uh, the airline that I generally work for um, has a very good scheme in place that allows existing cabin crew to uh, train as pilots. Now, it's probably fair to say that the majority of cabin crew at most airlines are female, so they are doing an awful lot to increase the numbers of female pilots. Um, I've long said that it's great that there's all these initiatives, we just need to make sure that people uh, end up in the jobs on ability, not just because of gender. That's not me being anti-female or anti-feminist. It's just a, a simple statement of fact. We need to be careful of overdoing the positive discrimination. We need to remove the barriers, but we need to be um, honest about um, ability. Um, so, yeah, I can't answer your question, but uh, uh, probably a higher than average for most airlines of our size. And a lot of those captains as well, uh, as well as uh, first officers. There would probably be less, uh, out of the female pilots, there would be uh, a smaller proportion as captains. Uh, but a lot of that, of course, is the fact that if you go back uh, 10 years ago, proportionally there were less female pilots. So it's going to take a period of time for those mm. uh, effects to kick in, if you like. Um, but I uh, currently operating from, uh, there's at least one female captain just in the base. It's a very small base, so we're not talking, uh, you know, one female captain throughout the airline. Um, going back to Monarch Airlines, we had two or three female captains, um, all fantastic people and great aviators. So... Um, I, I think it's great that more and more uh, ladies are coming into aviation uh, on my side of the flight deck door. 
And I think it's great that it's being promoted as a good job to do, uh, so long as we're not overdoing the positive discrimination. I think that's the key point. Yeah, excellent. Right, so the last story, Nev, what's this one all about uh, on the businessinsider.com? Yes, it's uh, all about the uh, 20 biggest airlines in the world. And uh, there's some quite eye-opening statistics here. So I'm just going to run down them, actually. Uh, and at number 20, it's uh, Alaska Airlines. Do we need the music? Do we need yeah, the hang music? On. <laughs> hang, on. hang on. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought we were getting... Is there not a bit of blurb at the beginning? No, there isn't, is there? But I no. was just worried about the time. Oh, oh good yeah. point. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Much of it, really. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. All right, hang on. Just give me, just, just chat amongst yourselves for two seconds. Uh, I, I will work out a way of doing it. Here we go, then. Uh, it's not working. Brilliant. Um, okay, chat amongst yourselves. So this was, uh, so this, Nev, this was about the 20 biggest airlines in the world. And as, as Nev just quite rightly pointed out, there are some eye-watering figures. So, Nev... And at uh, number 20, it's Alaska Airlines with 233 aircraft. At number uh, 19... Aeroflot, Russian... Oh, go on. Well, we're going to take one. Oh, go. No, number 19, Aeroflot, Russian Airlines. 56 million, is that? 260,000? Blimey. Should we just do aircraft? It's quicker. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, Fleet size. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, number 18, it's uh, Air France with uh, 206 aircraft. And number 17, British Airways with 267 aircraft. Uh, number 16, it's Air Canada. Number 15, Captain Al. Uh, number 15, it's uh, LATAM with 308 aircraft. Uh, number 14, please, uh, Nev. All Nippon Airways with 294 aircraft. Armando, number 13. Number 13 is Indigo with 206 aircraft. Captain Al, number 12, please. Emirates, 271. <laughs> Carlos, number 11. Lufthansa, with 338 aircraft. Uh, it is number 10, please, Nev. Air China, 418 aircraft. Uh, number 9, please, Armando. It is Turkish Airlines, with 350 aircraft, but 93 million seats. Carlos, number 8, please. EasyJet, 317 aircraft. Captain Al, number 7. China Eastern Airlines, 525 aircraft. Oui. Uh, number six, please, Nev. China Southern Airlines with 597 <laughs> aircraft. I'm going to do number five because it's always me that does their story. It's Ryanair with a fleet size of 439 aircraft. Uh, number four, please, Carlos. It's uh, Brian Coleman's favourite, United Airlines, 765 aircraft. Uh, number three, please, Armando. Getting with the big boys now, Southwest Airlines, 749 aircraft, 209 million seats. Number two, please, uh, Captain Al. Delta Airlines, 879 aircraft. And finally, at number one, please, Sir Nev. It's American Airlines, as we thought it might be, with 956 There we are. And what's their capacity, Nev? <laughs> uh, oh, 256,920... Sorry, uh, 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, 256 yeah. million, uh, yeah. 928,663 seats. A tiny wow. number, absolutely. No, that's, that's quite a quite a. Does that count. take into account the grounded 737s, though? Right, now, I've got, moving on, next. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, all right, okay, what's next? Quick, moving on. Right, so moving on <laughs> well with on the machine. show then. <laughs> moving on with the show this week. Uh, yeah. We're going to hand things over to uh, Nev to introduce the next very, very interesting part of the show. Yeah, well, yesterday, uh, Pilot Pip and myself went down to London Heathrow Control Tower. And although we did go uh, up to the top of the tower, which we do sometimes when we're there, but uh, we were actually at the base of the tower where, where they are developing the new digital uh, tower lab. So it's a research and development project. And firstly, we've got to thank uh, Paul Beesham uh, for setting it up for us in the first place from Nats and also uh, Hannah Haggerty, who uh, met us there as well. Uh, Adam Spink was there too, uh, which was great. And uh, Pip is uh, talking to Andy Taylor of Nats about the project. So this is the Heathrow Digital Tower Lab, brand new facility, um, which Nats and Sirius have deployed in the base of the control tower at Heathrow. Mm -hmm. We've done it for two main reasons. Uh, one is the richness of the data that's available here, so all the live operational systems we can uh, tap into and get the data from those. Uh, and what you're seeing at the moment uh, is an amalgamation of that and also the video surveillance that we've added. Mm -hmm. um, so that provides us with uh, the world's first 4K Ultra HD uh, digital tower facility. We're using it as a laboratory here um, because it has uh, two main uh, uh, benefits about it. One is that I've got that access to the data um, through the technology, but I also have access to the team of air traffic controllers that work here at Heathrow. So when I want to develop, test, and then deploy new digital capabilities for the controllers into our tower, then I can do that here uh, by having the, the data having the technology, but also having access to those controllers. So we work together, uh, and Nats uh, and Searage have technical teams here that support the controllers in, uh, in testing and, uh, and deploying those systems. Mm -hmm. So this is brand new. We're testing our first um, capability, but we'll be layering those on as applications and increasing the amount of camera surveillance that we have and integration of other systems so that the, um, the laboratory grows in its capabilities and those capabilities can be deployed quickly. Sure, sure. So it's, it's absolutely crystal clear. It's lovely to look at. So I think you said yeah. earlier this is fed by 10 cameras, did you say? There are nine cameras nine that cameras. are giving uh, this panorama at the moment of the north runway at Heathrow, 27 right, which uh, this morning we're using as the arrival runway. So you right. can see a British Airways flight uh, just vacating the runway at the moment there, um, and an American Airlines uh, outbound aircraft taxiing uh, around the north side from Terminal 3 and then heading over to the southern runway 27 right for departure. And I can tell that even though we're down here, um, just by looking at that, uh, and I can see that the labelling, uh, the blue label of the outbound and the brown label of the inbound just um, gives me that information. I can also tell that the British Airways inbound um, uh, is, uh, is going on to Terminal 5, stand 546. So that information is readily available those labels and the data that we show is fully configurable so sure. we can change all of that. Yeah. Uh, that so I'm not sure I'm quite sure if the camera can pick up what's on those tags but you just perhaps explain what, what all that stuff is on those tags and, yeah. and what else perhaps you could display there. 
well, what you can display there is al almost uh, endless. Uh, it's what, what you would want uh, to have displayed as an operational um, person. And that could be an air traffic controller, or it could be an airport operations um, or an airport operations center um, person. Um, so what, what it's displaying for us at the moment is the aircraft uh, call sign, mm -hmm. um, so the, the company's designator uh, and the trip number uh, that we would, um, we would uh, broadcast over the radio. Uh, it gives us the aircraft type and it gives us on the inbounds the parking stand that it's going to. Okay. But we could put anything on there. We could have the standard instrument departure, route, uh, wake turbulence category, um, whatever information is relevant to the controller. Um, but what we try and do is ensure that we can kind of rationalise the information to give just the amount that the controller needs, no more, so that they don't have to search for the information that they want, but it gives them everything they need mm. uh, in, uh, in, in a one-stop shop. And we also then have the layer of video at each of the workstations, which means that a controller can have specific uh, video and integrated data fed to them directly. So if they're a ground movement controller, um, say the ground movement three position for uh, terminal five, then we can give them terminal five pictures. Uh, likewise, uh, if they're controlling terminal two, I can give them terminal two pictures. And even though those two uh, terminals are co uh, kilometers apart, the two controllers can sit next to each other and the video that they can see uh, can be as if they're sitting directly on top of that terminal building. So yeah. it, it brings the information and their area of responsibility directly in front of them, uh, but allows them to sit next to each other so they can work more efficiently. Sure. So uh, is the idea going to be then that you're going to just duplicate those controller positions from, from upstairs? You'll have a, a departures controller and arrivals mm. and a ground, or are you somehow going to look to kind of job share with all this technology so you can reduce mm -hmm. the, the roles down into to one or two people perhaps? Um, well what we're doing is predominantly around supporting the controllers that we have in the tower. Um, so I've got two workstations down here. There are more workstations in the control tower because we have three ground movement controllers, two mm -hmm. runway controllers, a supervisor, ground movement planner. However, the positions we have in the laboratory are configurable. So I can make one of the positions ground movement control yeah. one, I can make the other one runway one, runway two, I can have two ground movement controllers, two runway controllers, we can, we can change that. So from the point of view of being able to work on a particular solution uh, that we can deploy upstairs, uh, what I have here is everything we need. Right. Um, it means that we can potentially make the workstations upstairs different, uh, provide uh, a more efficient um, display of information to controllers. We can also supplement what we're displaying with prompts and support from artificial intelligence. And I can show you a demonstration of, uh, of what we're doing with artificial intelligence mm. using video uh, surveillance um, and how we indicate uh, to controllers particular things around the operation that is important for them. Sure, sure. Now, maybe I, I misunderstood, but in the little research that I had um, conducted last week, the impression I got was that this project was because of the, the third runway that's going to be built. Um, is that correct? Is this specifically for the third runway or is this just happened to be a, a good, um, because of that runway, a good point to start this work? Yeah, it's a good point. The facility itself is not specifically uh, just for third runway. What it's actually uh, focused on at the moment um, is uh, a condition that we have uh, when the visual controller in the tower at 87 metres above us um, goes into low cloud. The controllers can't see part of the mm -hmm. airfield. 
um, and they adopt um, a, a, a towering cloud procedure, as mm -hmm. we call it, a VIS-2 procedure is another, another uh, description that's, uh, that's used for it. So it means they can't see parts of the airfield surface and they uh, then use ground movement radar, ASMGCS data, to control the aircraft. What we're looking at doing uh, is proving that the camera surveillance and AI uh, can provide a, a more efficient solution for them uh, to give them a more accurate uh, and a much faster update uh, so that they can give uh, landing clearances uh, just as safely um, but uh, without having to increase the final approach spacing, reduce the landing rate when we have tower and cloud. Mm -hmm. That's just the first application. We can build all sorts of additional capabilities through different applications. Um, and what we can certainly um, also uh, do is um, look at uh, how we would control you know, uh, new airport parts of the airport as they're developed or changed, uh, and whether actually providing different um, uh, information, different video surveillance, different support levels could actually help the controllers in uh, adapting to those changes. Mm -hmm. So runway three would just be one of those potential changes for the future. Sure, okay. Um, well, we're, so we're looking at the north here. Are you able yep. to, to show us a, a view of the south? Yeah, um, so at the moment uh, it's just simply a case of switching uh, around. We have um, one runway per video wall, uh, or, uh, per, per, per video wall display. Uh, and that is because with an airport like Heathrow, where the control tower sits in the middle of the runway, uh, or the pair of runways rather, um, trying to display both runways at the same time on a single video wall mm -hmm. uh, creates quite a, a, an odd distortion mm -hmm. uh, if you kind of open that up um, as perhaps smaller airport digital tower solutions um, uh, can do. But that, uh, the best way of displaying a, a multi-runway parallel operation, particularly with, uh, with terminals and tower in the middle of them, is to display them per, video, uh, per runway on a video wall rather than both together. So uh, again, this is being a laboratory, showing just one at a time, but it may be that we have, uh, if we continue with video walls in, a, um, uh, in part of our solution, then we may well have a number of video walls. Likewise, uh, what we can work on with the controllers is, uh, is testing the suitability of, uh, of working away from video walls and having more of a personal video wall. Right. Um, if you're doing that within a uh, conventional tower, like, um, uh, like we're proposing uh, to take some of those capabilities quickly upstairs into our, our, our physical tower, then having this kind of layer of video where you can look over and still see out of the window mm -hmm. rather than having a big video wall, um, is potentially a, a big uh, advantage, and that's why Searage is a particularly um, relevant supplier, and that's why we're invested in Searage, because of that flexibility around how you can use the system. If we were looking at somewhere uh, for, say, the contingency operation, and we have an off-site contingency, that at the moment has now sort of the window view, and we use the tower and cloud procedures and go head down uh, with radar, potentially with video, then I can enhance that. Um, at the moment, that capacity, uh, that, that contingency has a capacity around about 70% of the normal uh, throughput of the airport. We would want that contingency to be able to go to the full capability of the, mm -hmm. the normal operation. Uh, and giving video and AI support to that is definitely a way forward with it. Okay. So that's the, the, uh, the video wall. Perhaps mm -hmm. we can have a look at the, these workstations yeah. Down here, is this just a, a, a duplicate of what they've got 
already upstairs in the tower? No, these are uh, these displays have basically um, been uh, put in here from the point of view of being able to work with the controllers uh, so that they can uh, determine what information they want in, in what position. All three layers, the video wall, the personal video wall, uh, and the desk-mounted uh, screens, all run on the same series software. Um, and we can display anything from the map data that you can see to your left-hand side, which is uh, a ground surveillance picture. Mm -hmm. But that actually can take in video information too, to, but still display it as a, a map output. Uh, we can have uh, video inputs that you can see here, and these are the pan-tilt-zoom cameras, so they're kind of like electronic binoculars, uh, which can track aircraft around the airport, uh, zoom into certain places. You can control them by pointing to somewhere on the map or pointing to a target, and the pan-tilt-zoom camera will move to that. Um, and, uh, and then the, uh, the section here can show video or, um, or map data. Um, so what we're doing in Singapore at the moment uh, in, a, in a deployment of a digital tower for them uh, has this kind of layer in it uh, and it, it's a mix between uh, the PTZ controls, the PTZ views, um, specific views for the different workstations and map data. So they're tending to put everything onto this, uh, this mm -hmm. area here, but it's very flexible and that's, that's why I've got all three layers so that the controllers at Heathrow can determine what they would like uh, given the systems and the data that, sure. that we're trying to integrate here. Okay. That is some serious tech, honestly, Matt. You, I'm, I, I think you must have, you know, you'd, you'd love to go there and have a. I was very a play. Jealous, certainly, absolutely. A play? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, I'd quite like to go and observe. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's the sort of system one would play with. Nev, you were you were obviously <laughs> there on site, so you you got to to, to be in the room. Um, is is it a mishmash of cables, or is it all very nicely? Um, oh no, um, it, it's it's very tidy indeed, and uh, I'm sure they're not using the 25 pound Netgear router uh, to do all of that. Um, there's lots of uh, lots of fiber and lots of very high specification stuff going on there. Um, yeah. But uh, no, a fascinating insight into it, and uh, I was very impressed with the quality. Actually, those uh, those ultra high definition displays are very good, and uh, the real real time element of it is really important too and uh, well next week we've got uh, a part two uh, of this to show as well so that there is some more to come well there's more fantastic yeah absolutely there it is yeah <laughs> so moving on and actually next, <laughs> oh, next week we're, we're going to talk about the um, the artificial intelligence part of it as well so hey, uh, how oh. the cameras can <laughs> recognize uh, what aircraft are coming off the runway you know oh, off, wow. off the taxiways and that, that kind of thing so uh, yeah really interesting that will uh, be interesting time. to see how it deals with aircraft that aren't in their normal livery so I don't mean like the BA retro ones, which are just, um, you know, oddities, if you like, in the nicest possible way. Um, but say, for example, uh, Lufthansa operating a British Airways flight. So oh, will see, the system yeah. go, that's a Lufthansa aircraft because it's got Lufthansa on it because it matches the, the algorithm for Lufthansa, even though it's using the Speedbird call sign. Um, how, how do you reckon it will cope with that, Nev? Well, I, from what I understand, from what they were saying yesterday, is that the system c can learn these things as well. So obviously, if it's a Lufthansa um, uh, logoed aircraft, uh, but it might be operating a BA um, flight number uh, or, or vice versa, possibly. Um, so the, uh, the, the, the ADSB tags 
uh, say obviously what the flight number is, uh, but also they can put all kinds of different information on there. So it can say, um, you know, Lufthansa operating stuff, yeah. as, uh, as speedbird, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, there, there's there's lots of flexibility there, but obviously uh, the um, uh, the ADSB is is hard coded. Uh, at the manufacturer's end. So as long as the data it the, receives uh, is fine, uh, it will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, this is why this whole thing's in development, because they are learning um, about how to do some of these things mm. as well. So, yeah. Oh, very it's a fascinating project. It yeah, must be oh, quite yeah, irritating it, it when people yeah. like me come along in the end and go, have you thought about... And I went, no, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. But then, as I say, that's, presumably that's why it's sort of in development, as you say. It's essentially a lab. Well, of it's course, not a working it's, tower. it's not very long before the, the first real um, digital tower is going to be opera uh, operating in the UK, which will be at London City Airport. Oh, really? Uh, the, uh, the main tower is going, and uh, um, it'll all be uh, done, done this way. Um, so uh, that's uh, due for completion... I think by the end of this year or start wow. of next year. Okay, before we move on to, uh, you've, you've almost got your way, Al, in the fact that we've had to massively reduce our military section in order to uh, sort of fit in with our time window. Uh, before, we, uh, before we move on very so quickly. I'm going to get death threats from Jonathan Warner Absolutely. again. Yeah, yeah Warner's going to write to you personally. Yeah. Absolutely. He's going he's gonna to thoroughly enjoy that. Uh, before we move on very quickly, I'm just going to say one of my friends has just sent me a picture, actually. He's been working over the, uh, over the last month or so uh, to build this. It's a nice little KLM model that he's all painted up and things. So uh, well done, Julian. He's that's really nice. He's that's, just completed it this evening. At, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, I, I, I haven't got any more text to go with it, otherwise I could tell you more about it. But uh, other than the fact that... The you can tell that that's not City of Swansea. Right. <laughs> because if that was City of Swansea, that glue would have gone by now. Right, OK. Yeah, good. Anyway, so... Yes, anyway. Well done, Julian. Uh, right, uh, we, we better move on uh, to... Uh... So what's next, Armando? Yeah, so in the interest of time, we are going to do one story for the military segment but it's quite a big just story before that, for us. just before we go oh, on to yeah. the military <laughs> I'm only joking I'm only joking <laughs> oh no anyway quick uh, I'm going to run the jingle everybody yeah, well, here we go So that's right. The uh, one story that I think we're all tracking this week and is sort of near and dear to all of us comes from FlightGlobal.com, and it is that Farnborough Air Show is axing its public weekend from 2020. Mm -hmm. So the organizers of UK's Farnborough Air Show are axing the public weekend display, reducing the, the event from seven-day to a five-day program, concentrating on the trade aspect. The show, which is only held every two years, alternating with the Paris Air Show, has normally capped off its five-day trade and industry focus with two days of flying displays, which were open to the public. But organizer Farnborough International says it will be removing the weekend public days from the 2020 show in favor of allowing public access to the final trade day. The public days have attracted recent criticism from enthusiasts, uh, not least because many of the new aircraft displayed and demonstrated during the trade days depart from the show before the weekend event. Uh, on some occasions, the flying display has been left a little sparse, with aircraft having to be sent up twice to help fill out the event. The industry has also been dealing with the fallout from the fatal accident at the Shoreham Air Show in 2015. 
Farm Bureau International says it wants to redirect its strategy and focus on highlighting new technology and manufacturing by, by allowing public access to its exhibition halls. Chief Executive Gareth Rogers says the axing of the weekend show will disappoint. He believes the change will help exhibitors and trade visitors to access valuable talent. Allowing the public to see more of the people, products, and processes that underpin the global aerospace defense and space industries will help engage and inspire a new generation, he adds. The organizer believes that the show can attract young people and encourage them to consider careers in these sectors. Farnborough International adds that there will be a flight display on each of the five days of the 2020 show. So, uh, well, let's let's go around the room, shall we? I mean, the, I the mean, biggest problem with this, and it was highlighted on the sh on the news this week a number of times, is that they're going to open this up to the public on the Friday. Right. To okay, it sounds like Friday is the day we don't want to go. Then, yeah. By the sound of it. So, <laughs> you, you, the, the biggest issue that, that a lot of the people who like the the public who go to the public days who take their kids and children to here, mm. and a lot of the things that have really upset them is the fact that. Um, if they want to take their kids to the Friday, what have they got to do? Take the kids out of school? Um, uh, no, I think, aren't they finished usually then? No, the kids are still are at school. Okay, it was one right, of the things yeah, that was brought okay. up, uh, which is slightly annoying. Um, yeah. But uh, there's so many different reasons flying around in, in the in the kind of aviation circuit mm. as to why, they're, why they've done this. I mean, they've said they've pointed out some reasons why, but... Yeah, I just think this, I mean, last year's show, we all know, was uh, that the flying display was, was kind of hampered by a lot of delays between acts, as we all know, because yeah. we were there. Um, it wasn't yeah. as good as previous years. Um, uh, I think the word probably to use last year's show was disappointing on yep, public yeah. days. Mm -hmm. And what I, uh, I know you have not turned to me, but I'll just gob off anyway I'm actually in some ways pleased that they've done this because okay. I felt that the show organizers were exploiting the general public because they were charging people for the brochures that were given away to the trade visitors during the week and quite clearly they were just going to go in the trash these mm. things so um, and the, the show was was disappointing half of the good stuff had gone mm -hmm. um, and uh, whilst it's a great shame because the public aren't going to see some of the commercial aircraft, um, at least they're not being ripped off to see them. Uh, and I, 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 I feel that it's the correct decision. Keep the trade show the trade show. What I would love to see, I doubt that it's possible for a variety of reasons, is for RIAT to extend and say, OK, we're going to open it up to military and commercial so let's you know have yeah. the, the the 380 come to to fairford mm. um and uh, let's put on the world's best air show yeah oh you sort of think you think yeah. sort of combined forces perhaps as, a, as yeah a, yeah so i mean i think it's fair to say that riyadh is a fantastic military air show it is, yeah. Um, yeah and i i it's difficult because of the the, the physical makeup of riyadh but I, I would love them to do that um to uh, take over the, the mantle of the uh, civilian uh, show. Uh, maybe just do it alternate years as they were doing at Farnborough anyway. Mm. Um, but for me, uh, whilst it's sad for some people and, and it's, it's a sad disappointing, I hate seeing the public be exploited. Yeah. So um, point. That, yeah. that's my view. Yeah, um, Nev, how, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it was terribly expensive, wasn't it? All the all the food and drink and all the rest of it. Um, and uh, yeah, but by the time Friday came around, uh, you know, many aircraft had, had gone, gone home, yeah, that's uh, true, gone yes. back to the US or, or, or back into Europe, wherever they're going to. Um, so yeah, if you if you go you know, do it properly, basically, or, or or don't do it. And I think um, if well, if we go to Farnborough next time round, we'll be going at the the start of the week. Uh, I yeah, would imagine. I think um, so. Yeah, you know, a couple of trades. I think the food and drink is very very relevant actually because during the trade days you know during the week the vast majority that people are there are on expenses so though they don't give a flying banana whether a burger is nine quid because they're not paying for it on the public day if you're taking you know your family your two kids yeah. your 2.3 kids you know nine quid for a burger having paid money, god knows yeah. how much to get in yeah um and god knows how much to park your car yeah um it's too much, and um, yeah. but yeah. And let's not get started on the ice cream prices, of course, Al, because that is obviously a major concern. What do you mean, Al didn't pay for his? Or <laughs> 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 his prosecco? Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, there is that. Uh, Armando, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts? Uh, have you ever made Farnborough? Yeah, so this year, uh, oh. other, yeah, we we were there. Oh yeah, sorry, right? Yeah. Are you all right, Matt? So, um, <laughs> so we it is a little a hot in this room. <laughs> So, but but that's actually a good point because I'm that sorry. was that yeah. was my How first. Win friends and influence. Oh, no. <laughs> he leaves us next week. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> a guy with whom he's, we he's, once worked. He's dead to me now. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah, he's oh, going now. That yeah, the, going home to his lovely wife. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that was my first Farnborough ever, and I I kind of walked away with sort of that same experience where I was just like, oh, this is it, huh? Yeah. So really, if it hadn't been for the meetup and the APG guys coming yeah. over and and Pip and Al and everybody, uh, you know, all the listeners and everybody that we yeah. see in the chat room getting together, really, it would have been a terrible drive and a terrible experience. Um, so yeah. I, I guess yeah. we'll just have to do a meetup somewhere else. Yeah, indeed. So we've got a little bit of feedback to play you guys now that was sent in by Neil Lamwon. And uh, on a recent trip he had uh, to Lanzarote, where uh, I used to say the, uh, the plane spotting is awesome. Um, but uh, Matt, if you're ready, yeah. we're going to play that for you right now. And good morning PTUK from Terminal 2 at Lanzarote. Here we are just having checked in for our CRJ 1000 flight to Gran Canaria. Nice lovely little terminal, uh, nice little cafe. Couple of check-in desks and just one or two security gates. This is uh, the inter-island terminal so you only get the small airlines flying from here uh, interestingly the locals get about 80-90% discount on tickets so very very cheap using light buses uh, we've got about an hour before we have to board so we'll be off to get a little bit of breakfast and do some spotting and we'll get back to you when we're boarding very very sunny beautiful weather uh, much better than the minus seven that we left behind. Nice ATR over there. Here we go. Two. Bombardier, or Bombardier, as we say. Macronesia. Here we go. Off to our right here you can see an Aeropa ATR. Um, interesting thing about these is they can actually push themselves back. 2x2 two two configuration. Um, 
there, nice plenty of room. Nice light area, nice and bright. Decent legroom even for a six-footer like me, even a normal seat. Uh, no seat assignment on these. So first come, first serve. So if you want the exit row, it's all yours. For the princess sum of nothing. flight uh, don't go straight to the exit go to the connections up the stairs and you've got here lovely views across the airfield right air just going up there really really very very nice windows really clear really clean excellent for spotting uh, you've got mostly local arrivals here uh, internationals a lot of those are further up. You can see over to the military aerodrome over there. Lots to see, lots done. 
Very nice flight back. Uh, not as luxurious as the uh, CRJ, but it's an older plane, so what can you do? And uh, with that, back to you in the studio. Ah, oh, thanks for that, Neil. Very nice, always to have uh, video in. And uh, for those of us in the in the Europe and the UK who uh, do fancy a bit of plane spotting, I can say that is a really good place to go to uh, to see aircraft up close and personal. Matt, indeed, yeah. Uh, just uh, for uh, your information, uh, there is a longer version of the video, which uh, if you go to the show notes will be. Um, uh, available for you to watch. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit distracted uh, because uh, if it appears something's gone wrong with my camera. Um, I don't know what I'm doing there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think something's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Family shows, Matt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll go back to Carlos. I think there. That's, I don't know us- that's usually what he's what he looks like when Al is talking. Yeah, it's just yeah, kind of absolutely, he's mostly terrified throughout. Uh, I'm thinking of that uh, Clarence Carter song, and uh, Carlos, being a DJ, you'll be familiar with it. Yeah. The title of stroking isn't it right yes anyway uh, <laughs> anyway uh, we really are desperately running out of time so if there's anything else that uh, you need to uh, uh, yeah so sorry yes what, what i was trying to say was that um yeah uh, the full version of neil's uh, video will be available for you to click uh, in the show notes there'll be a link to it you can watch the full uh, version there but that one will obviously edited because and we're... yes folks uh, matt is demonstrating he can actually multitask there he can talk and stroke stop it moving on <laughs> okay quick moving back. swiftly yeah. <laughs> right, so we are going to wrap up yeah, episode please. number yeah, 259 <laughs> of the show as uh, we have got to uh, nip out yeah. now after Indeed. the show and take yeah. Armando to have his last meal at Chan's yeah, before like, he goes like, oh, back dude, home. It's very sad, isn't it? But uh, before we... Before I, 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 we s- hang on, have I missed something? When you say his last meal, he's, he's not been put on death row. Or <laughs> when we're just, just losing him from the UK. That is the correct Yes, we're losing him from the UK. Yeah, yeah, but I've already correct. said earlier okay. in the show he will essentially be dead to me once he leaves. Oh, you know, so but that, um, but it, Armando, yeah, just wanna, Armando just wants to say a few things before he goes. So for everyone who's listening, over to you, Armando. Yeah, you should have heard the music that Carlos wanted to play. It's going to be like, oh, man, this is not a eulogy. <laughs> no, I, I really just wanted to thank everybody. Uh, I've wrapped up two years here in the in the UK, and uh, before that, I lived here for four years in the same area in East Anglia. So this is hopefully my last move. Um, you know, and, and it's just been a great time. I love living over here. It's been great hanging out with you guys and getting to do a lot of this. You know, the flying stuff that we did, and even Matt got in the air, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah. terrifying, but awesome, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and meeting everybody in the in the uh, PTUK community. So I, I truly, truly will miss uh, living here in the UK. I'm incredibly excited about going home to my wife uh, and just starting sort of our... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and uh, hopefully, you know, I'll continue to give you guys some uh, good content from the U.S. as your sort of field reporter, but... Uh, Genuinely, just a, a thank you to everybody here in the UK and the aviation community that's uh, really just taken me in. So, Yeah, thanks for uh, everything you've done, Armando. It's been so good having you on, uh, on the show, and you could continue to be uh, a big part of the show, and we, yeah, we're very grateful to have you with us. Yeah, and, and, and I, I suppose sort of the last thing, it, this is also wrapping up 21 and a half years of a military career, so I'm, I'm seven days from flying home, and... and honestly to all those people that are out there you know from all our our friendly nations and coalition nations and u.s forces and uk forces that 
um, hopefully listen to the show. You know, sometimes just a little bit of levity is all you need when you're out there in the field or, or away from family. So it's just, uh, you know, uh, happy thoughts and good vibes to, to all of our service members out there and first responders. Uh, truly, you know, number one in, in, in all of our hearts. So, yeah, uh, you know. You I guys, think a big round of applause yeah. to Armando yeah. from everyone here in the, yeah. in the studio and the yeah. PTUK listeners. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, Armando. And, and can I just extend out and say that I, I want to thank you for your, your servicing because obviously um, having spent that period of time in East Anglia, you've helped to enhance the gene pool in the area. And that's... That's been of a huge benefit to, to uh, us in the UK. And I was on the verge of, of making you an honorary Brit up until a point earlier on in the show where you attempted to say the word pasta. And I'm afraid <laughs> after all that time in the UK, you've still so, not got it right. <laughs> <laughs> so pasta and scones, isn't it? Yeah, pasta. Right. Yeah, yeah. Pasta. pasta. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, on behalf of the ladies of East Anglia, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And of course, I am absolutely. Dude, we're going to miss you so much. It's yeah. Been great yeah. to have you in our neck of the woods. And uh, of course, it's won't be the end of course yeah, we'll, we'll still be, we'll, it'll be no different it's just that you know you'll be you'll be, you'll just, be there yeah. you'll be just sat underneath captain now which won't be an experience uh, you'll enjoy uh but <laughs> <laughs> i don't know especially if i've had curry yeah. right <laughs> indeed, indeed. absolutely yeah, yeah. on that note <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah so well yeah i was gonna say uh, without being too specific because you know obviously we don't want just people calling around unsolicited uh, where in the united states are you, are you planning on settling Oh, I have a absolutely no problem. So I'll be in Charlotte, um, in the just north of Charlotte. Uh, Megan and I bought a house uh, on Lake Norman. So it's a pretty big lake. So if you can find us, then good luck to you. Right. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. We just need the details so that we can, you know, come and crash your neighborhood. Right. Well, <laughs> so you have a fifty-fifty shot at, at the lakes in Charlotte because uh, Doctor Steph lives on the other lake. Right. Okay. So yeah, okay. you're either gonna okay. trash our neighborhood or her neighborhood. Yeah. So. Okay. Either yeah. way, it's not gonna end well. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so obviously, so I mean, you you fly home a week today, in fact, don't you? So that's, yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. About six days and uh, yeah. eighteen hours. Indeed. Uh, Nev, what are you up to next week? Um, well, yes, I was, I was thinking about doing that, but, um, yes, I might even be up in your neck of the woods oh, as I dear. head up to the danger zone that is this. Yeah, I might well pop in and be a nuisance. Right. Excellent. Oh, so we might, we might get, a, we might get a, a quick visit then, uh, while you're down yeah. this way. Uh, Carlos, what have you got uh, on your uh, plans for next week? I am off all next week. I have Ooh. a week off. Me and Gemma are off for a week and uh, we're going to go and together, together. Right. It's going to be the end of a beautiful um, marriage, everyone. I know. <laughs> uh, we, we, we've got lots of um, DIY planned. And oh, uh, on Friday, I shall be going and seeing Armando. And yeah. uh, we're going to have some fun, aren't we, yeah, on Friday? Indeed. Right. Yeah. Uh, Armando, can I ask you a question? It's a, it's a reasonably serious one. Um, when you've ended your, your military career and you're flying back to the United States, uh, do you go back on a, a military transport or is it a, a commercial airline? No, yeah, I'll be on American Airlines. It is a direct flight from uh, Heathrow to Charlotte. Okay, fantastic. So if there is anybody from American Airlines listening, I know it's a bit of a long shot, <laughs> to be honest, but, <laughs> but, if, uh, but if anyone is, uh, is listening from American Airlines, um, 
could you please ensure that Armando is put in first class? He's done a lot to uh, to help preserve here, here. Uh, the yeah. safety of many and many persons throughout uh, the entire world. So he deserves some of that 25-year-old brandy. <laughs> Amen so, to that. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. So that's it. That's where we're going to bring episode number 259 of the show to a close. Thanks to everyone who's joined us in the chat room tonight. We hope you have a fantastic weekend, whatever you do. And don't forget just before to... you go, um, I've just had a message. Uh, uh, Jan's just taken a last-minute booking for a table. For <laughs> right. Is that a problem? Better not, Dan. <laughs> so keep the eyes on social media. Follow us on there. The T-shirts are on sale. Treat yourself You're to a T-shirt. No, no, and... no, absolutely. Nine o'clock we were supposed to be there, but anyway. And uh, on behalf of me, Carlos, saying good night. Take care. Have a great weekend. And from you, Nev... Good night, folks. Have a nice week. See you next week. Yeah, and uh, I say goodbye. Armando, I, I think we should leave you to say the last word. Oh, you, you know, it, it's been awesome. Uh, I love hanging out with you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you uh, on the next show. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.